Good morning. Tomorrow was a big day for me. Tomorrow was my last day of classes at Union Theological Seminary. Thank you, thank you. And more importantly, it is my last, last day of classes. After some 20-odd years of school straight on through, I finally made it. My time at Union was especially important, though. I was looking to begin rebuilding my faith after a rough four years previous, which included, but was not limited to, a fallout with my college ministry community and in a religion department of professors who kindly ripped apart my foundations of faith for me. I came to Union with one question. Now what? Our story begins where Jesus has just ascended, the Holy Spirit has just descended, and Peter added 3,000 people to his community of Jesus followers in about five minutes. What a roller coaster. But whispering within the confines of the two most eventful chapters of the Bible is the same question that I carry with me today, that you may carry with you today. Now what? Luke did not just write the book of Luke as common sense might have it. He also wrote the book of Acts. And throughout the entirety of the book of Luke, the same question echoes, three times to be precise. Now what? The first one comes in the third chapter. When John the Baptist is being John the Baptist and screaming about fire and death while he's walking around eating locusts and honey, the voice creeps in. We heard you, John the Baptist, but now what? He replies, whoever has two coats must share with those who has none, and whoever has food must go and do likewise. The second one comes in chapter 10 through the mouth of a lawyer. Jesus responds, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as lawyers do, the lawyer clarifies. Could you specify what you mean by neighbor? That's when we get the story of the Good Samaritan, which we all know so well. The last one comes from a wealthy ruler. Jesus replies, You know the commandments, don't steal, don't cheat, etc., The ruler says, I know, I got that, but what else? And Jesus goes, since you asked, sell all you have and come follow me. I'm starting to notice a pattern here. That's when we get to Acts. Peter preaches this big, long sermon, and then everyone asks him, now what? On the surface, Peter's answer doesn't seem to follow the pattern. Repent and be baptized so you can accept the Holy Spirit. In other words, change the direction of your life and join this community will be able to do more than you've ever imagined. 3,000 decided to join the 120 original followers that day, and that's where our scripture begins. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking bread, performing miracles, sharing everything, lacking nothing laughing together, and growing exponentially in number. That was their repentance. That was their now what. All four now what's ended with sharing their bread with the hungry. Yet we continue to ask ourselves and to ask God in prayers every day. Now what? The church has given us one way to practice this now what. Communion. In our beloved, albeit frustrating, United Methodist community, This takes place in our churches once a month, plus some special occasions, but always with an open table to all. When I was considering Methodism, 
years ago, I always found their open table to be enticing, to be so welcoming. Sometimes we can take the value of that for granted. I spent this semester in a class called Sacraments, Globalization, and Hospitality. My professor wrote an entire book on expanding the borders of the communion table. We even watched him debate one of the leading scholars on Skype for over an hour. Yet month after month, we take our communion and forget how beautiful the open borders of a communion table really are. The challenge is, my professor, a Brazilian immigrant, doesn't stop at the open borders of the communion table. To commit to open borders is to make it a value that affects every area of our lives. To commit to welcoming borders at the communion table, but to rebuke the ministry of queer ministers is hypocritical. To commit to welcoming borders at the communion table, but not on the southern border of the United States, is hypocritical. To commit to welcoming borders at the communion table, but to push people further and further out of the city through making housing unaffordable, is hypocritical. To commit to welcoming borders at the communion table, but to not open the borders of access to food, shelter, and health care, is hypocritical. We, as a community of believers, have committed ourselves to the principles and values of the open table. So, now what? Look back again with me at the now what's in Luke and Acts. John the Baptist tells us to expand the borders we place around our food and clothing to those who need them. Jesus tells the lawyer to expand the borders of who he considers his neighbor to anyone who passes his subway car asking for help. Then Jesus commands the wealthy ruler to expand the borders around what he considers his own possessions by giving them all away. And finally, there's Peter. Peter, whose sermon sets up our our scripture for the day, tells us to repent and be baptized. Peter teaches us to be baptized into the body of Christ is to change your way of life by changing your borders. Peter teaches us to expand who we will break bread with and who we think is deserving of the healing miracles of health care. Peter teaches us to expand the borders of who we will do favors for or share with, to expand the borders of our understanding of private possessions to communal possessions. He teaches us to expand who we will laugh with and who we will grow with. These challenges could seem especially difficult right now, though. As a community, we are in a weird place. We are feeling both empowered and deflated by resisting the nation's politics. We are looking for a way to continue the spiritual highs of Lent and Easter. We lost a major case of inclusivity and justice in our own Methodist courts. And 50 of us are gone away on a retreat, while the wise ones stayed back to hear the good word preached this morning. (laughs) On top of that, the weather can't seem to make up its mind. If there was ever a time to ask, now what? It is right now. When I was first writing the sermon, I couldn't get past this point. I was literally asking myself as I stared at the computer screen, now what? That's when something special happened. Remember that fallout I mentioned a few minutes ago with my college ministry from home? My best friend from that time has continuously reached out to me over the last few years. Text messages, calls. I never answered them. I couldn't muster the strength to. 
But this week, when he texted me, I responded. I responded enthusiastically. We had a great conversation, and we set up a time to talk on the phone. For the last few years, maybe I needed some space from him. Maybe I needed some time for my wounds to heal. But this time, when he texted, I was ready. And a time like this in our political scene, it is so easy to hold on to these walls, to keep out those that voted away that we disagreed with. And don't get me wrong, there there are walls that we need to protect ourselves. But I don't know if that's the case for most of the walls we carry with us today. I know that it wasn't the case with the walls I used to keep Nick out. And I haven't given it enough thought yet to ask myself why. But that's our first step. We must ask ourselves, why are we keeping out Bob and his infuriating political beliefs? Is it out of love? Or is it to make ourselves feel better? The wars of being more correct politically than someone can be a deadly game. These woke wars will not save the world. A dangerous love will. I'm thankful that you all welcomed me into the borders of this wonderful community. So very thankful. Thank you. I'm thankful that I was able to see you all expand your borders this winter through extending and accepting invitations to dinner with our Muslim neighbors. I'm thankful that I was able to learn from Vicki's vision of new communities as she expands the borders of church, from Lee's vision for expanding the borders of ordination in the Methodist church, and from Kay's vision of the greatest number of verses we can possibly sing in a worship service. (laughs) My challenge for you now is the same challenge that I struggle with every day. When you find yourself asking, now what? Look at those closest to you. Look at those who were closest to you that you leave on the other side of your walls. Invite them in. When you find yourself asking, now what? Look to those you pass by on the street. See those that no one wants to sit next to on the subway. Sit with them. When you find yourself asking, now what? Go and answer Peter's call. Let's expand who we laugh with and who we grow with. And let us answer Peter's call here today by breaking bread together at our table, open to all. Amen.